your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and stand with me if you will. For the last two months we have took up special offerings on the first Sunday of the month, our 2 Corinthians 9-8 offering. We're going to be doing that next Sunday. I just felt like what the Lord had today, we, I wasn't going to mix the two. Uh, next week we're bringing our offerings Sacrificial offerings so that we can give unto others. Countless opportunities have come our way since the Lord blessed us so tremendously a couple months ago. And the verse is that God is able to make all grace abound towards us. That we having all sufficiency in all things may now abound to every good work. So prepare for that offering if Jesus should tarry next Sunday. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul writing to the church of Corinth, he said, Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, which means flogging with a leather strap and pieces of bone and glass in that, in that uh, whip. In stripes above what? It means I've lost count. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often, which meant I went to the gate of death and came back. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one, which they had a belief that if you took 40 stripes, you would die. And they beat him with 39 on several occasions. Once I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's the time that he was killed. They piled heaps of rocks upon him. And the disciples were around him and prayed. And he just was raised from the dead. Once I, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often. Say it with me. Often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea and among false brethren, been in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings and cold and nakedness. Beside the things that are on the outside, there's that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. Trauma is a part and parcel of life. Sometimes it has no rhyme or reason. Sometimes it's just living in the part of a or living in a in a fallen world. Other times it's the result of ungodliness. Our choices environment, priorities, and sowing. Sometimes it's by the hands of our adversary and contrary spiritual forces. But the origin of our trauma is not nearly as important as to whose throne it's brought before. Now before you're seated, I am not going to try to do a... Um, therapeutic... Uh, medical um, counseling type thing. I believe the Lord is going to 
do something special here today. But I, I want to make my part as simple as it can be by identifying with you on the front end and telling you the facts of his word and then leaving room for the Lord to do what he's going to do today. Um, I put on Facebook and I said if you would send me some things, those of you that experienced trauma and uh, don't put names or in a way that I'll know what it was. I almost was going to say you won't believe what was written back. But yeah, you'd believe because many of you wrote people that two of their spouses died by cancer. Some, they buried their children. Others couldn't have children. Men that survived the war, but the war has changed them. There's a woman that wrote me that for years her husband raped her. And she said, because of my weakness or inability, I stayed or, or all those things. But trauma, how, how does a believer navigate the trauma of what they experienced before Christ and after Christ? Is faith enough? Is hope enough? Or is there a mixture of faith, hope, trust, and the sufficient grace of God that gives you the capacity to navigate, the buoyancy to survive the waves. There has to be clues in the word of God, and there is. And if you'll pray for me as I pray for myself, I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, trauma in the life of the believer. And by the way, just for the devil and any principalities and powers listening, trauma does not have the last say. God does. God does. So Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning. A bruised people, a broken people, a shattered people, but prisoners of hope because we know that our Redeemer liveth and we know that the Lord can turn the captivity of Zion in a moment. We know the heart of the King is in the hand of the Lord and He can spin it around and change it. All it takes is one decree from your throne, O oh God. One articulation of power, one reversal, or one awareness that the grace to navigate this is already there. Anoint me this morning, Lord, to make Jesus plain and the cure simple. Christ is the answer. In your son's name I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. In preparing this message, you know, you, you could go the dramatic route and just tell all the stories, the horrible, sickening uh, stories that make you want to just look away. And, and instead of doing that, I want to go right to identifying with the people, if you will. Trauma is not a bad, I'm not talking about having a bad day. Or a loss. I'm talking about the things that happen to you that rewrite the DNA of your soul, the personality, where you know after that happened you changed. You try to live out of memory of the strength you had before, and you wind up imitating 
a former you that's no longer there. It can be a treadmill of weariness. And could it be that God doesn't want us to go back and fix? Go back and fix it. But learn how to live after it. We want a time machine. And God wants to give you grace. Grace for that moment. That page in your life. Yeah, he could go back in time and, and do magic. But when we see the person dancing on broken bones. When we see the Job that buried his children and lost everything he owned. Yes, he questioned the Lord. Yes, he struggled. He said, I know this much. My Redeemer liveth. And in my flesh, I'm going to see God. He knew those things. But let me talk to you about, or to the ones that have experienced these unspeakable traumas. Trauma carries with it an immediate and lingering pain. Memories, emotions, and anxiety. And I don't mean this funny, but it's almost like being sprayed with a skunk. You don't go anywhere that that trauma doesn't go with you. I don't want to, I'm not going to make uh, this about me today, but I'll tell you one thing my wife did for me. Um, when God allowed me the chance to start over, I told her, I said, I'm just asking you, just give me room. I said, there's nowhere we can go in town out to eat that I've not already, not already been with someone else. It, the memory of it is ever-present. The person that lost their child, the little boy that didn't live to see his sixth or seventh birthday, they can't go through the boys' section in Dillard's. They can't go to scoops or to the ice cream places without it something grabbing them or arresting them or reminding them. You don't just suck it up. You don't just erase it. And, and, and it's, it's not that you... I'll get to the pity part in, in a minute. But it's not that you can't continue. But it the fragrance of it, even if they don't know it, you know it. It just lingers. Is anybody can identify with me today? Amen? Okay, okay. When it happens, these people may go into some kind of shock. Just like in the military. And my buddy Jason and Michael and others have told me, you know, that these guys come back and it, it breaks my heart because I, I love him so much. But Jason, I, I'll forget and I'll come up behind him and say something. And his reaction is just terror in his eyes. For just a moment. And then there's another moment where he could have took my head off, you know, and just severed me with a white table up in the top, you know. So sorry, you scared me, you know. <laughs> but you can go into a shock where you're still there, but you're not there. And I have noticed in pastoring that some people stay in shock for years. There can be a physical shock an emotional shock, a relational shock to where the person has kind of a blankness about them. Where Shock happens when the body 
it's hurting so bad that like when someone loses a limb or an eye or that they go into shock so that it can't process all of the pain. And be careful, be careful, those of you that have never experienced true trauma, telling somebody else to just snap out of it when they may not even be there. The shock of the moment. Those that are traumatized experience a loss of identity sometimes, causing isolation, despair, and hopelessness with no expectation of life after it. The things I've experienced in my life, the closest I ever came to losing it all was when I told the Lord, I said, I, I, don't, I, I used to think I was your boy. And I don't think that anymore. And see, when that's the devil can't do but so many things. Only you have the profession of your faith. Only you can be a worshiper at the end. Only you can articulate. And God is okay with us working out. He knows our frame. He knows our frame. But see, you can forget in the darkness what you knew in the light. I can prove it to you. John the Baptist... Jesus said of this man, greater hath never been born a man of woman than this man. And he got thrown into jail. The death sentence was upon him. And he told his disciples, go ask Jesus, is he the Messiah or should we look for another? What, what do you mean, is he the Messiah? You're the one that pointed out and said, there's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. I indeed baptize you with water, but the one that cometh after me, that one... He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What do you mean is he the Messiah? John, I believe, was traumatized. And it may sound simple to you, but to a man that owns nothing, who had no wardrobe, who had no business, who had no means of transportation, all he owned in his life was freedom. And he lost it. And there he was in that little prison cell like a little boy. And God didn't turn his back on him. Jesus met him with a word. Go tell John the Baptist the things that you see. How the lame walk and the deaf hear and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And tell him not to be offended in me. And when that word reached his heart, this is what I'm trying to get you to see. No matter how traumatized or how uh, far it's gone in your soul. And even if you forget who you are, God doesn't forget who you are. And Jesus said, greater hath never been born a man of woman than that man. Oh, the one that forgot you? His forgetting of me was only temporary. You judge with external judgment, but God judges rightly. Now, I can't say this to sorry folk and lazy folk and, and carnal people, but to the true disciples of the Lord, give yourself a break. Let the Lord judge. Let the Lord judge. And if you don't remember who you are, remember that there's one in heaven that knows exactly who you are. Listen to this. I love this verse. The foundation of God standeth sure. Not that we know him, but that he knows us. The Lord knows them that are his. That's our security. That's good, Mama Sheila. That's, a, that's good. When someone is traumatized, they may experience great anger. Not everyone does, but it can be a switch flipped in them where they don't like it, them, you, this, just anger. 
Just why me? Why this? Why now? Why God? But it doesn't really matter because it's not a question they put out there for you to answer. Anger just takes over. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's isolation. They just pull in. They're not angry. They just don't want to be bothered with none of y'all. Shut the door, pull the drapes. Do you see, the devil can't rob you of your eternal life, but he can strip the life out of the one you have. I, I, I need to know and I need to lead you. I need to show you how to navigate these things that kill other people. It wipes them out. When Simon walked on the water, the message is not, come next Sunday, how to walk on water, part one. No, that's not the message. The message is, God will show you how to walk over and through what other people would sink in. His word, his invitation, his invitation to you. These people undergo great personal, deep, profound changes as if some way they were rewired. Uh, I don't say this with any sense of drama. But I'm not the same person anymore. My mom and I, who I love so much, we've talked about. And she got on stage and shared with y'all. she tell you, I'm not the same person anymore. And you need to know that parts of you can die without you dying. You need to know, and it's happening in the natural. I believe the Lord showed this to me for you. I didn't even know this when I was going through. It's what happens in age. Whether you think not, that young person in your picture role on Facebook at 22, in your 50s, you ain't him no more. And you can put on, look, this dress fits. Yeah, but what are we going to do with all the wrinkles? Where are we going to tuck them at? It's not the same person. That you, that innocent little girl, that now she's got three, four, five kids that Jesus wouldn't watch running around the house. It's that you is gone. That man that could do anything. Is gone. So how do you do? Listen, listen to your pastor. You take the pieces that are left and you walk before the Lord presenting them to him and see what he wants to build with them. That's the key. I wish somebody would have told me when I was going through it. said, why are you trying to act, John? Like watch, at 61, I told my kids, I said, daddy's 60, you'll be 61 in a week. I said, thank you very much, Isabel. Listen, I, I, I trust, I try to use humor to really get into the deep spot here for you. Okay. 21 is gone. I can't go back. I'm a different person. As a matter of fact, I'm twice the man I used to be. <laughs> and well, I know that that's obvious. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> Erica's my minister of edification. She's doing this. No, but so what do we have? We have what is left. And I'll either be a good daddy, a good 61-year-old, or a bad. I'll be a faithful one or an unfaithful. 
I'll be kind or unkind. I'll be godly or ungodly. You see, apply that to trauma. I'm not minimizing it. But if God can create life, don't you think he can sustain life? With the pieces, a mosaic, if you will, of shattered pieces. But God can do that for you. It's okay to say I'm not the same. And I'm not. If I would go back, if I could go back and put together some of the pieces and, you know, would I go back and be as naive? Would I go? I just don't know. I... How about, Lord, you just take my hand and walk with me and show me who John can be today. Show me who I can be as a husband and as a daddy. Show me, Lord, who I can be as a pastor. Lord, I'm, I'm not asking you to do time travel anymore. Now, if you do this, don't get mad at me. I'm not thinking of an individual. But have you ever seen the 65, 70-year-old and he's trying to act 25? He's got his... He's driving his little Miata. He has to get in with a shoehorn. He, he falls in. Shirt unbuttoned down to his navel. But we saw that gold cross and we knew he loved Jesus. And he's holding on and you just want to say, Bruh! It just ain't fooling. Nope. You're not 25. Now you can be 75 and okay with 75 and, and working it. That's fine. But, you know... You're wearing clothes from the 70s, and nobody knows. Because in, in this world we create, see, we feel, and this is the trick of the enemy, we feel like we have to preserve who we were in our youth, in our glory, in our strength. And after life does a number on you, I don't need a time machine. I need resurrection. <laughs> I feel it in my heart. And the Lord is going to resurrect all who have ever died in Christ. Then we which are alive and remain shall be, come on, changed. Changed. I'm not going to be who I was. I'm going to be better than I've ever been. My mind will be so right. I'll never experience sorrow, nor crying, nor pain ever again. The former things have passed away and God's going to make all things new. You think trauma's got some power? Wait till you see the resurrection. I'm banking on the resurrection. I'm banking on it. I'm looking forward to it. But these feel lost, not knowing who they are. It becomes hard to feel like there's a numbness. Um, this might describe some of you. This is what it was like for me. I would say things like, that's funny, instead of laughing. I would say, that is so sad, instead of crying. After trauma, you can feel like you don't, you're not normal. You're supposed to be able to react to those things. And we won't even give ourselves the proper time. We've been hit by mortar shells, and we won't give ourselves time to feel. Because we want God to do magic. They lose capacity for joy like Miriam. They lose capacity for hope like the man at the pool of Bethesda. They fall into self-medication or self-help. Oh, I thank God of all the mistakes I made after trauma that I didn't go down that road again. 
I don't believe I stayed away from alcohol. Yours could be drugs. It doesn't matter. Death by poison is doesn't matter what your brand is. I think I feared me enough and I remembered enough that if I go down that road, I may not come back. And let me tell you what the world will do. The world will offer help but never a cure. Do you remember Solomon's temple where they built the colonnade at the pool of Bethesda so the people could be out of the sun? You remember that? And Jesus found the man that had been laying there for 38 years. You remember? The world built the canopy, the portico, to make you not be in the sun. The world will offer you relief, but never power. They gave a portico. God gave a pool. A pool where the first one that got in after the angel troubled the water, he was cured of whatever he had. See, we have a pool too. We have the pool of God's presence and his pleasure. And I believe, it's not in the power of my words, but I believe God is going to stir that pool today for us. And he, I believe that he is going to, there will be people that mark it in their calendar. It changed on this, just that, it changed on this day. They may become actors, acting as if nothing happened, nothing has changed and nothing lost. Man, I see that all the time. I saw something recently where someone I know that's not walking with the Lord, they were traumatized relationally. And of course, it knocked them off their moorings. And I know they're not walking with the Lord. I know they're not. And I saw them come to church and I was just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And here they are praying for somebody else in the altar. Well, Brother John, you, you, you shouldn't judge their heart. I'm not judging their heart. I'm their pastor, man. I've been shepherding them for years. I know them. They, they're just, because they can't live in the today, they're living out who they were yesterday. They become actors. They become, you know, they, how are you? I'm good, man. Praise the Lord. Highly favored. How are you? And you go, you don't look like you're doing well. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. The worst thing that you can be in the church in the ministry especially, and in your faith as an actor. Because what will happen, have you ever seen a preacher where he talks to you like this, and like, hey, good morning, Marion, how are you? Good, good, talk to you. And then gets up to preach, he goes, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book. You go, whoa, what happened? Well, that's a new guy. That's one of the other personalities. That's Pastor John. Now, who you had in the foyer was John. And then you might have Sandra's son. Then you might have Kelly's husband. The problem with acting is you forget who you are. But these that have experienced trauma begin to act out of yesteryear because it's easier to navigate who I was before this pain than to live with it. Almost done with this thing. They may accept it and the results and just say there's no hope, there's no plan, there's no expectation of life. But many, if not most, try to fix it and try to go back and undo what has happened. They fill their life with everything and nothing reaches the problem. They will not, listen, they will not let the crushing nature of their trauma push them fully into God. 
They will not let the trauma push them fully into God. An absolute, unequivocal, complete surrender of past, present, and future. Of every piece of their puzzle. I've got a quick testimony that I want to play for you. And it's a precursor to a song I'm going to play. And the lady gives her testimony um, before it. So if you'll play this. Story behind the yank. I can't sing this song without getting emotional, so I can guarantee I won't be able to talk about the song without getting emotional. Um, but just because I wrote this song at one of the lowest points in my life, the year before was one of the best years of my life. I had experienced so much success in my career, in my relationships, in my personal life, and just in so many aspects in the next year. Just felt like all of that was taken away and just kind of crumbled. I lost a lot of what I thought my future was going to look like in every aspect of my life, in my career, with music, in my relationships. I had been in a serious relationship for almost six years and that ended. I had lost a relationship with myself. And the hardest and scariest part for me through all of that was feeling like I had lost a relationship with God doubting him in a way that I never had before and that was terrifying for me because I've always been someone that really leans into faith in the hard moments and I mean I'm not perfect by any means but that's always something that gives me hope and that has given me purpose but I remember that year I just felt like I didn't even have that anymore and I'd never experienced that before. I felt so ashamed of that. I don't understand why all of the things that were so important to me were taken away and just crumbled like right before my eyes and I felt like I couldn't do anything about it. I felt like I had no control. And I am grateful for the perspective I have now because looking back, I can see now how I put so much of my identity in my career and in my relationships and in what people thought of me and what people expected of me and in achievements and in all these things and I was putting my identity in everything except for God. And so it's no wonder why my confidence was shot when all of these things started crumbling because I had nothing left. And so as hard as that year was and as hard as those experiences were, I'm grateful now because it's showed me how crucial it is for me to put my identity and my confidence and my faith and trust in God and in nothing else. Because anything else can be taken away. And I think what was hard for me, when I wrote this song, I felt like my faith wasn't being taken away, but I didn't know, honestly, I didn't know if I'd ever get back to where I was. Because I'd always been this person that had so much faith and that could always find the good in things and that could always find the bright side. But I just felt hopeless. And I just felt like God was upset with me or I did something wrong and God was punishing me and I just felt this shame and this guilt. But I was... I was so blinded by my own pain that I couldn't, I couldn't see how much his hand was in everything that was happening. 
and I felt that deep down, but I didn't want to admit it because I was so frustrated because of all these things that I wanted. But he had a bigger plan for me, and so when I wrote this song, I hadn't approached him in sincere prayer in a long time. I had prayed, <laughs> I had done just the kind of like really surface level prayer for a long time, and I got to a point where I, I felt like I was at rock bottom. I felt like a, a shell of a person. I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't recognize a lot about myself. And I remember one night, I just kneeled. Huh. <laughs> I kneeled at this man in my bed. And the only thing I could say was, God, please don't give up on me. Like, I'm really trying, and I know it's not much. But I'm, I feel like I'm drowning here. I feel so lost and alone. And I just started, I just remember like weeping and like breaking down and I couldn't, I couldn't formulate thoughts or words. I couldn't even speak. I was so emotional and I just felt like I needed to um, go to my piano. My piano was right on the side of my bed and so I went and sat down. And I just started playing the piano part and I remember Hey, Charles, if you've got it cued, would you go ahead and just play that song? Uh, I'm going to change the order up just for a minute, and then I'm going to open these altars up. No one will be praying for you today. Only Jesus. No one's hand today on the back of your shoulder. Only Jesus. Direct line. And as this song plays, you don't have to come at the very beginning, but let the words of this minister to you. Do you have it queued up, buddy? Thank you. 
Those in the altar, let me tell you what I know. Not what I think, what I know. There's an exchange happening between you and the Christ this morning. His strength for your weakness. His clarity for your confusion. His grace for your sin. Church family, would you stand with me this morning? Those in the altar, you're welcome to stay kneeled if you want to. But I want to give you the four things that close this part of this message. So I identified with you and, of course, told you, you know, Christ is the answer. That There's a grace there for you. But I want you to listen to these four things, okay? 
from a fellow survivor. I might not can stack up with your story. Their story might not stack up with mine. But I have experienced things that could have killed me. And I want to tell you on the other side what I learned. Don't let a chapter of your book become the title of your book. I'm not just being rejected. I'm loved. I'm a papa. I'm a granddad. I'm a pastor. I'm a friend. I'm not just abandoned. Don't let the chapter be the title. No one owns the pen of your life but God and you. And God will sometimes let you write the names of the chapters. But the title? I am His. Broken? I am His. Crushed? I am His. And what He does with me is His responsibility, not mine. Number two, nowhere in the Bible does God ask you to fix your life. Just live it. Just live it. There's not a day goes by that my eyes doesn't fill up with tears that I can't do with my son physically what I could have done with him in my 20s. <laughs> not a day goes by. And also, watch the balance, not a day goes by that I realize I'm the richest man that ever drew breath. <laughs> and my boy loves me and I love him and I've got a wonderful, beautiful, beautiful life. God didn't ask me to go back and be 25. He said, be 61 and love that little boy. Love those girls. Love them. Love them. Just live your life with the pieces you got now. Number three. Put God in the place of the things you've lost. Sometimes, and I say this very tenderly, God will use trauma to tear down the idols in your life. A spouse can be an idol. A child can be an idol. Your health can be an idol. And finally, before we take communion together, fully believe, clearly articulate, and wholeheartedly trust in the statement that God's grace is sufficient for you. Who you are, where you are, what you've lost, what you've never had, what you've become, what you're doing without. When you limp, when you just don't resemble yourself and someone says, and they don't mean it wrong, and it crushes the, out, the old you, they said, like, I don't even recognize you, man. What happened to you? And there's just a few pieces left. They don't know. And you don't have to explain it all to them. I got what I got. But what I got is going to love the Lord. And I'm going to confess the Lord. And I'm going to trust the Lord. And I'm banking soon on the resurrection. Where that power meets my lack. Listen to this. God's grace is sufficient for you. Whether it comes in His presence if it comes in the form of a promise, if it comes in the burst of His power or a strong sense of peace, His grace is sufficient for you. Last verse, we're going to take communion. 
Hebrews 11 says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. If you look at the life of Jacob, he had trauma repetitively in his life. He lost the love of his life, Rachel. He loved her so much that he worked seven years for her hand in marriage. Woke up beside her ugly sister, Leah. The, the dad had tricked him. He said, here's how fine she was. He said, no problem. I'll work another seven years for her. That's a beautiful woman. Just thought I'd tell you, that's, that's, that's otherworldly. He worked seven more years. And listen, it says that on the way to Ephrata, Jacob buried Rachel. What do you do when you bury your Rachel? What do you do? It says at the end of his life, he worshiped leaning on his staff. The secret is in the staff. The men would, especially the patriarchs, they would mark like they would say, Rachel and I married. The birth of Joseph, uh, the birth of Benjamin, uh, where they lived. So the events of his life, the losses of his life, and then he buried Rachel on the way to Ephrathah. Symbolically, here's old Jacob. And he's got this staff under his arm. And he limps to the forefront of Hebrews 11. And he says, all that happened and all that didn't happen. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And that's the goal. That's the goal, to get to the end. And whether you've been stripped down to the ground or your, the, the limbs and bows of your tree look strong and glorious, to get to the end of your life and say, Lord, as I stand at the gate of the next eternal chapter, blessed be your great name today, O oh God. Blessed be your great name, O oh God. Worshiping, leaning upon your staff, so Pastor John, I think I got it. In summary, what you told me to do is just gather up the pieces and live as I am. Mm -hmm. But remember to get all the ashes of everything that's burnt. Get them all. Because he'll give you beauty for every one of them. <laughs> but you don't know what I've lost. Then save it. Show him. Tell him. Say, I lost this in this world. You did. Mm -hmm. What you going to do about it, Father? I'm not going to tell you what to do. I just need you. And I, I believe that he has set in motion things that are going to change. I believe by faith that there will be women and men in here. That someone in the next couple of weeks is going to ask you, what happened to you? I say, what do you mean? You're different, man. Jason, would you hand me one of these, please? Is yours open? Do you mind? You got one open. Thank you, sir. Very much. Do you have one? Okay. okay. I'll serve you afterwards if you want. I don't know if it's age, fat fingers, dexterity, what, but this is like a 
Jason opened mine and I couldn't open it. That shows you. <laughs> oh, those people I told you about? Some of them, if not all of them, go to this church. Tortured as a child. Tortured. Satanic ritual. Rape by father, brother, relatives. Abandonment. Sold. Given away. Never acknowledged. And you would know it because you see them all dressed nice and cologne and perfume on. And they stand in here on a weekly basis with a staff under their arms saying, I may not be all I once was, but all I am belongs to Jesus. Set yourself and your affections and your treasures on things above that can neither rust nor be stolen or decay. No one can take them from you. Our outer man is perishing. But our inner man is getting greater and greater every day. Do you know we're almost home? Can I have an amen? We're almost there. We're, I, I can see the glimmering of heaven's glory in my life. I'm like, Lord, is it today? Is it today? I ain't going to be no Lot's wife looking back. Anybody else? Y'all can have it. I'm the most blessed man I know, but if this is all there is, you can have it. I'm looking for a new city whose builder and maker is God. Amen. So we take today. This is a symbol of his promise. This is a symbol of his power. And the assurity that we know that all things are working together for our good. The evil things, the missing things, the stolen things. They're all working together for our good because we love the Lord. We're called according to his purpose. And the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken of you. Don't forget this. Remember me. Remember me. Let's take together. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. Do you know what an alternative, not primary... But an alternative uh, definition of remember me is to put back together. If, if I were to cut my finger off, I would go to the doctor and they would remember it. There's a part of it that when I take communion, I say, Lord, would you remember, you know, put me back together? Would you? If he can create me in my mother's womb, don't you think he can put us back together? I wonder what people think. When they look at my life in the sense of we shared so many years together. I said, man, he, I watched him go from here to here to down there to up here to the, the plateau. He was all over the map, but God was faithful, sinner. It's because of this. His grip don't slip. <laughs> it don't. And in the same night Jesus was betrayed, he poured wine. He gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my blood which is shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. As often as you do this, remember me. He also told them, he said, y'all take communion in the church, but I'm not going to take it again until me and you have it together. What is that going to be like? 
He sure ain't going to ask for no Pastor John or a prophet or a bishop or an apostle. Everybody's going to sit down and Jesus is going to serve communion. Mm. This is the promise. And if he spared us, not his own son, won't he now freely give us all things that we need? So Lord, thank you for the washing of our sins, the power of your spirit, the surety of your word, and the knowing in our souls that you are greater than trauma. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Let's take together. Jason, would you come and take your time and pray over us this morning? of individuals we thank you for the restoration we thank you for the opportunity to make our petitions known to you we thank you for your son that he came and bore our penalty that we would be able to walk in right relationship with you God we thank you that you are the staff that you support us that you carry us through every season thank you for the moments that we can look back over in our lives as a testimony to you being faithful to us as your individual children. Lord, we know not every season is easy, but we know that you are faithful to your word, which promises us that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you are in us that you are greater than the forces that work against us in the world and that we are more than an overcomer through you. So standing on your promises, Lord, we go forth into this world being in it and not of it, looking to the day of your return. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church family. Have a blessed Lord's Day.